And welcome back to another Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller with you. And what was it? About 10 years ago, I was perusing Facebook. And there was this picture of a beach scene and a hammock and a palm tree and the water out there. And the guy who put it up there said, I created this. And he was in, what beach town were you in? I was uh, at a beach resort on the island of Utila, uh, the country of Honduras. You're listening to Daniel Danovi, who had put that post on Facebook, and he said, I created this. And that was the first time that I really, where it just hit me, that I realized that we create our life. When I said that, I, I literally created this opportunity to to speak at this resort and present my firewalking workshop. And like two years before that, I just kind of created the intention, wouldn't it be nice uh, to do a, a workshop and a resort and possibly be on TV and, you know, have a film crew and just work with some amazing people? And it literally came about exactly that way. <laughs> <laughs> was that any surprise to you? It wasn't, but I was amused at how easy it came about. Wow. What was the, so walk that back, what were what were the, some of the ingredients of that manifesting so easily like that? Well, I got the impulse to uh, get a booth at a local uh, holistic fair, and I actually shared, shared space with another uh, psychic, and I just put up my sign, and this woman came up to me and said that uh, if I ever did anything out of the country and that she was the sales manager for a dive resort in the Caribbean. Oh, wow. <laughs> and would I be interested in putting my firewalk work on, workshop on there? I said, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it was probably a month before that uh, I met with the owner and we kind of planned it out, and they put together a promotion. And she said, by the way, there's going to be a film crew there. They're filming a um, TV reality show called Into the Drink. It's kind of a play on words where it's uh, into the dive scene and also into the local bar scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they wanted to feature the firewalk wow. in, in their uh, show. And. It did. It so came across exactly like that. that. Oh, my goodness. Well, Daniel and I met in 2009 or 10 at Landmark Education. We were both doing the uh, production, like putting the event on. And I think it was just an instant connection, instant attraction there. And I had the great honor earlier this year of being asked to officiate at your wedding. You did, and you did a good job. That was quite an honor. <laughs> it was quite an honor. Well, I'll tell you what, for me to show up and not and not uh, trip over my toes with, over my four feet is a, is a good feat. But, no, that was really fun. That was great. So thank you for letting me be involved in your life in that very sacred way, really. In our mind, there was no other person to officiate than you. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you. Daniel and I have just been talking for the last, I don't know what, little bit here and reminiscing on some stories of his background where, you know, my journey was different. I, I was born into a, a certain belief system that stayed with me for a lot of my adult life. 
Daniel was exposed to the material that we talk about on this podcast now at a very early stage in life. So he's been with this for really most of his. We're 362 days apart, <laughs> 363 <laughs> days apart. That's right. Um, of, of age. I'm a little older, so son. <laughs> um, Daniel has experienced this for really his whole journey. And I wanted to get him here. Thank you for driving across town to, uh, to be here in the booth. How do you like my new home, by the way? I love it. I absolutely love it. I wish I had all these toys. Daniel built me one of these several years ago, but uh, this is a step up, isn't it? Uh, this this is, this is the Rolls Royce. This is this is the big deal. I, I built you a Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> it got the job done at the time. That's for sure. So um, I wanted Daniel to talk about some of this experience, especially kind of going back to the roots of this show with the subconscious mind, how it affects us. Because so many things for me have been coming up in that area of late. I've really kind of wanted to bring this show back to the roots. And talk about this, this part of us, and as I think we're going to unpack here, that it's not necessarily a separate entity. It's all part of ourself, and yet it can steer our ship and does. It, well, I realized at a very young age, at 13 I had an awakening, and I don't have to go into all that. That's quite a long story. But there was a couple points there. One was that I realized that the world is a mirror of our mind. And we live our whole life in our head. We can't get away from our own perceptions and images. Most people aren't even awake or present with the other people in their life. So I realized that. And also there's the idea of potential, that what limits our potential? I had several teachers at the time just mention that I had a lot of potential, even though I didn't see it. And I really had no idea what potential meant. So I kept asking and, and kept asking this question over and over again. I asked my parents. I asked my teachers. I asked, you know, I looked in the book. I looked in the dictionary. And I was in the library of this junior high, and somebody pushed a, a book on one side of the stack, and at my feet landed a book called The Ultimate Athlete by George Leonard. And I was intrigued. I was trying to get into sports at the time. I wasn't very sport-like. Um, but I began flipping through, and some of the words just resonated with me. But there was this one paragraph that kind of rose up off the page and was illuminated, and it said, the ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say, I can't. Yeah, that's amazing. And What a great let Say that again. The ceiling, <laughs> the ceiling to your potential is built the moment you say, I can't. Let that soak in. At 13, I had this full body, aha, what I refer to now as a biochemical cascade event where it rewired my entire being. And suddenly I knew I was at cause for my experience in life. I got to say how good life was and how bad it was. Mm. And so, you know, I didn't think much of myself at the time, and I would look in the mirror and see all this potential. You know, when you're not starting out from very much, the sky is the limit. And I was really excited about what I could create and what was possible. 
And at that time, I was also just introduced to the concept of hypnosis. I watched uh, Bela Lugosi, who played Dracula. <laughs> and he's got this damsel in his, in his arm. And he looks at her and he's like, kind of waves his hand in front of her face and says, look into my eyes. And uh, she like, oh, and just fainted, like just collapsed in his arm. And it's like suddenly she was like behaving and in, in just listening to everything he said. And I thought, I want to know how to do that with women. Tell a teenage boy <laughs> that he could do that too. <laughs> Talk about a journey. Well, this is long before the age of the internet. And I sent away, it was in the back of Popular Mechanics uh, or Popular Science, one of those. And it was just a little mail order book. It, it took me like eight weeks to raise the $6 to, because I had a paper route, to send off for this book. And I got it about eight weeks later. So, And I, I love next day shipping, by the way. But the title of the book was How to Hypnotize People, Animals, and Women. <laughs> and it really didn't occur to me until many, many years later that they did not include women in the category of people. I think it was just an appeal to That was to a marketing young man. thing. You bet. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's where I became introduced to the whole concept of the subconscious and the power of the subconscious mind. It was just recently where I realized that I have lost touch with how most people view the subconscious mind. And that I've developed a relationship over the years through deep meditation and many hours in trance and in, in inner work that I forgot what, when I first was introduced to the subconscious, how scary it was. And I recently asked a, 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 some participants in a workshop what they thought of their subconscious mind. And I had everyone raise their hand who thought that their subconscious mind was many times working contrary to their intentions, was kind of getting in the way. And no. every one of them raised their hands. Mm, mm. And wow. I, I thought, what a travesty, because your subconscious mind is literally your best friend in the whole world. It is, now, when I was first introduced to the concept, the, they portrayed the subconscious mind as this dungeon, this dark basement with all these hidden recesses. And you didn't really know what was lurking there. There was a dragon you had to go down and slay. And Jung refers to that as your shadow self. Those are the beliefs, uh, the aspects of us that we try to hide from other people. So we're not necessarily proud of them, but it's been programmed us along the way. And we can get into how the mind is programmed through childhood and how that kind of sets us up. But... Just if you could get one concept at the moment is that your subconscious is benevolent in nature. If you think of divinity as creating your, that we have arisen out of a divine design, what architect would put in a program that is going to work contrary to the organism? It's, it's self-defeating. Yeah. And it's It'd be like a Trojan horse, wouldn't it? Right. So the subconscious is always working in your behalf. And the problem is not self-sabotage. Self-sabotage is a misnomer. When things don't work out the way we intend, and there's some subconscious program getting in the way, 
it's a matter of alignment. We just haven't aligned with our other than conscious mind. We haven't aligned with uh, our intention to get all parts of our being on board. Mm-hmm. Right. And we fight it a lot, don't we? Like what you mentioned when you said most people, when you very first set this up, you said that most people are in their heads and they don't even realize that others even exist. It's, you know, that is so true. And now I have a hard time reconnecting with that, um, having done all this work. And yet that is so true. And I'm seeing it with a very good friend of mine right now who is fighting consciously against his reality that really the universe is just trying to pull him in a direction and yet paddling and swimming and fighting and kicking and ah, right? I just, I, now I remember so many years of doing that. And maybe that's why we diverged, why my path took a different angle was that I had to just work that out. Well, the illusion of control, of us trying to control our environment, control our destiny, is the idea. It, it arises from fear. Totally. And if you, you're, if you don't really have fear, it's easy just to let things unfold as they do, knowing that the universe, your other than conscious, is always working benevolently in your behalf. And a lot of people have problems with thinking that the universe is conspiring in their behalf. And that's one of the gateways to opening up to uh, law of attraction is trusting the process, trusting the flow of consciousness uh, and the law of attraction. Most people think that they have to control every little aspect, control their relationships. Uh, if, they, if, they, if they're not watching things 100%, that things are going to fall apart. And that is just fear. It's fear that I'm not enough. It's like if I don't watch things, no one's going to look out for me. And much of that does arise from our childhood. Uh, and I could talk about the, the grand illusion. And as part of that, the grand illusion, I have this talk I give. It's called the grand illusion, the unreality of your reality. And people are like, huh? What's that mean? <laughs> Daniel and I being born so close together. Neptune was quite similar to in his son and my son. So we both have this Neptunian. I get what he just said. <laughs> you might have to rewind a couple of times. Well, the grand illusion is the idea, without going really in-depth in it, it's the idea that the world you've come to know it know to be is the way it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, by the time you're 25, you think you pretty much know it all. And you know most of how it works, how to interact with the world, how to get yourself dressed, how to get to work, how to go to school, how to get good grades, how to behave, you know, you kind of know the rules of society. And so there, and they've also found that most people stop reading books or growing their mind at, it, at about age 25. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you do not fall in that category. Uh, <laughs> I have to say that I'm sure the listening listeners, and I want you to appreciate the fact that you're in the top 5% of the population. Yeah, taking conscious action. and Or even just inquiry and investigating. Most people do not do that because it scares the hell out of them. Can I swear on this? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything. That one's okay. <laughs> uh, Point I, taken, right? It scares them, yeah, it scares them vehemently. So the grand illusion is... We've kind of accepted 
the way we've come to know the world is the way it is because if we question the way the world works, there's, a, there's some fear in that because what if? What if it's, I don't have the right answer? Yeah. And that's why in relationships people are so adamant about being right and do it my way, like you got it wrong, mm. and they, they spend so much energy trying to prove you know, their point or prove their view of the world. But I like to tell people and tell my students there's 7.5 billion people. When I first started out, there were 6 billion people on the planet. Uh, there's 7.5 billion people, and no two people have the same brain. No, no two people have the same set of values, beliefs. Some of them are similar, but everyone has their own perception of reality. In fact, you as a listener or any one of us here, we cannot deal with the world the way it really is. We repackage it. When we look out with our, we visually represent the world. We auditorily represent conversations. We have an internal dialogue. We have sensations and taste. And so we, break down reality into different frequencies and then we reinterpret them according to our values, our beliefs, our perceptions. And those perceptions can vary depending on how much sleep you've had, how much you've had to eat. Um, what kind of mood are you in? Because your state determines a great deal of your experience of life or what you pay attention to. If you're not grounded, you know, things seem a lot harder. They're more difficult. And then we tend to perceive people and, and situations in a less than stellar way. So we represent the world through our five representational systems, and then we modify it to fit our model of the world. And there's a psychological uh, process called uh, confirmation bias. Our mind has a tendency to confirm our values and beliefs in order to maintain constancy in our experience. That's why most people, if you believe something... Uh, and somebody gives you a contrary evidence or a contrary point of view, you'll say, that's stupid or that's, that's idiotic. Um, and in, in politics, that's, you have different points of view. And I could never understand at the time why people really hated Obama. And then now I can see why I, I can't understand why some people totally love Trump and, I've tried to take a, a back seat and just be interested and fascinated by the whole process on why people adopt the certain beliefs that they do or the positions in life. And that's a, another podcast that we can talk about the hypnotic com communication from Trump. That'd be interesting. Uh, and he's, it's a lot there. A lot of politicians use hypnotic com uh, communication, but that's, that's a rabbit hole right oh, you there. You just piqued a lot of interest right there. <laughs> <laughs> so I began studying hypnosis at age 13, and I realized that, that over the years that this whole process of hypnosis and people going in and out of trance, it's not unique. There is no such thing, really, as hypnosis. On that point, and watching that clock... We're going to do a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, all right. That's a perfect place to stop. So we're going to do a continuous part two, so you'll be able to roll right into it. But just to respect the time, we're going to stop right there. And when we come back on part two, we will talk about hypnosis. So you get to say it this time. What? Enjoy the journey. <laughs> oh, enjoy the journey.
The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.